The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promised lands To show you everyone It's the time of the season for love Phil, I'm so glad you're here oh, Hey guys, Phil, oh, Phil. Oh, oh. Phil, I called you over here because Scott's out of control Oh my god, look at him Look at him, his head is twisted around He's he's like drooling. A, oh my god! A, 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 a yellow. We've got it. I don't know what he's doing. I, he's, I, I can't he's, oh god! He's defecating in his pants. Oh my god! He's out of control. He's hanging from your chandelier. I just wanted to tape an episode of the podcast. He came over. He was like this. Wait a second. Phil, I think I understand what he's saying now. Oh yeah. I happen to know rudimentary Latin, and I think I know what he's saying. Okay. He's saying, welcome to the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cable. We're bringing you facts, debate, trivia, and more to hell with the movie, if they made four. To hell. Scott. That's where I came from. Scott. I come from hell. All right. (laughs) This is very confusing. Scott. I think that the audience needs to know, based upon your recent transformation, exactly what trilogy we are doing this time around. The Conjuring Trilogy. Okay, in your in your real voice, please. We are doing the Conjuring Trilogy. That's right, the Conjuring Trilogy. I am Vin. I'm Scott. And Phil. That's me. Is joining us for this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the witching season. <laughs> Halloween is upon us. Anytime we do a scary... Halloween-based episode. Phil joins us. It is part of his expertise. Right. right. Oh, yeah. In the previous years, he's been right up front and center with us as we've examined the frightening trilogies of our time. So this should be a fun one, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. And as a fan of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, I'm really excited to point out some of the differences in the true stories uh, versus the movie. Sometimes the truth is stranger than what shows up on screen. I believe it. I believe it. So, yeah, Halloween time. Very exciting, very scary, and uh, I think it is definitely time to tell the universe exactly what kind of a trilogy this is. And for that, as always, we go to our friend Trilogy Bot, the robot that lives beneath my bed and knows all about trilogies and the multiple categories they often fit in. Would you say he's, like, haunting you? You know, he's under your bed? Well... I built him myself, and I've placed him there to sleep, but in a way, I feel he haunts my dreams. Well, conjure him up and see what he has to say. <laughs> Phil, I don't want to hear it. I know I'm you not going to say anything. I know you don't like Trilogy Bot. You just have to... It's not that I dislike him. I came to him as a friend, and this guy has been a menace. Oh, yeah, well, he hates you, for sure. I don't know I mean, what I did. He doesn't like Scott and I, but I come he come to you as a friend, and <laughs> this is the respect you give me. Right. No, he hates, he hates Phil. All right, so, Trilogy Bot, what do you got for us? The Conjuring is an O the Horror trilogy. These are thrillers made primarily to scare the audience, employing striking visuals, often in place of elaborate plots and characters. 
like Phil's greaseball face, which is terrifying. And as insulting as that <sighs> slur against Phil's ethnicity was, Trilogy Bot is right. This is absolutely an Oh the Horror trilogy. Yes. All right? It's a trilogy that's strictly created in order to frighten us. These are thrillers or horror films. Um, and, you know, we ha don't have too many in this category, so we have a tendency to save them for these Halloween episodes. Yeah. In the past, we've done Poltergeist, which this trilogy takes a lot from. Right. Um, and The Purge, which we actually had to purge from our list since they they made a fourth one. I think they're making a fifth one. I think they made a fifth one. All right, so Forever there you go. Forever Purge, I yeah. think. But in the past, you know, we've done some other scary movies that aren't Oh, the Horror trilogies. Uh, but are scary enough that they're relevant to Halloween, like uh, The Evil Dead. We did sure. one Halloween. Yep. We did John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Yes. One Halloween. That was a director's trilogy. And um, so so we try and keep it scary. Yes. You know, depending upon what kind of a human being you are, either you were uh, frightened or not. Yeah. Tricked or treated. Mm. You know? So. I like to be treated. And I like to treat you, my friend. Oh. All right. So without further ado, Scott. It is now time for you to do your plots. Yes, uh, the, the, the plots, I of am course. very excited. It's critical that we understand how these movies get from A to B, C to D, right, E to right, F. Right, right, All right. So just jump right into it with no fanfare. and No, 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 no fanfare what at is all. That? Scott, what? what no, you, no, no did fanfare. You, why are you holding a guitar right now? Well, I, I'm what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm not holding. Yes, you are. I don't know what you're talking this about. This is a strange preparation. Oh, I just thought I'd play a little tune here. And uh, wise men say only Scott knows plot, but I can't help falling in love with Scott. God. Yeah. Eight <laughs> All right, Scott, put down the guitar. Is that better? Put down the guitar, for right, God's right, sake. Right, what are you right. doing? I think I right. was possessed Just, for a minute. All right, cut to the by chase. By the spirit of Patrick Wilson. Okay. Oh, he's, still alive. he's alive, the but the spirit it's... of Christopher Plummer just jumped into me. Not Elvis. No, not Elvis. <laughs> All right, that would make too much sense. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Scotty. All right. So this is Scott's plots, and what we do here, what I do here, is uh, I'll give you the bare bones details of the plots. Uh, so that way, if you haven't seen these movies in a while, and you want a little refresher, we got you covered. And of course, if you've never seen the movies and you just like the sounds of our voices then uh, we got you covered there, too. So we're going to start it all off with, of course, The Conjuring. 2013. In 1971, a family moves into a farmhouse that they quickly discover is haunted. The family calls a husband and wife demonologist duo, and they investigate the paranormal goings-on and discover the house once belonged to a witch who killed her baby and hung herself. Well, that's basically the whole movie you just said. Right. Let me backtrack a little bit. Sure. All of these films begin with the little teaser. In this first one, we're just learning about Annabelle, the scary right. doll. Well, that's the most MCU thing in the movie is that like the first 20 minutes is devoted to this fucking doll. Yeah. Uh, in real life, it was actually a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. And it was known to bleed. 
No. The Annabelle doll? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real life Annabelle is now like it's it's un- in a glass box that's like double secret probation protected. Yeah, I've heard about it for real. It's a real thing. <laughs> uh, somewhere in Connecticut. It's a little teaser. It doesn't really have to do with anything. It gives you a sense of who the Warrens are. And then it cuts into that cool credit sequence yeah. where. Very exorcist, that credit sequence. I like oh, those yeah. credits. I think it's cool because it gives you some information about them. It's based on a true story right into the big bold, The Conjuring. I just yeah. think it's a really great. I'm trying to think if touch. any other movies have like uh, besides like Star Wars, you know, with that like iconic crawl. Like, does anybody else have one like that? You know, I can't think of any others. I can't either. And then, you know, just like you said, it's classic story of a house where some freaky shit's going on. It's a haunted house. It's before. a haunted house. Yeah. You, you also have a situation where the couple moves in and they're not—they're completely unaware that there's a basement in the house. Who's the realtor? Right. Who sold yeah. them this house? Yeah. There's got to still be a walkthrough in the 70s yeah. where, you know... There was an inspector, right? right? He came in here. Here's They're like, hey, we had no idea. There's there's a basement here. <laughs> what? Here's the thing, gentlemen. Up until maybe five years ago, uh, it was customary for realtors to never mention hauntings. Really? Five, five years ago, a couple moved into a brand new home and were be- beginning to be like bombarded with messages from a man called The Watcher. Oh, I heard about this, yeah. And, yeah, uh, it was in Westfield, New Jersey, right? very close to where Amy is from right. in Cranford. That would that set a court precedent where if there's any sort of haunting or a stalker, the realtor has to f- disclose it now. They're also not allowed to disclose if the house has a basement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the way they're taken by surprise, they're like, holy shit. Break through that wood. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a flight of steps yeah. here. So uh, the house ends at the ground, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's don't, nothing else below yeah, there. Don't, yeah. go, don't go through that door. We'll buy it anyway. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> also, <laughs> they're not doing anything with the house once they move in. They're not painting it. They're not refurbishing it. They're right. putting like pictures on on the dirty wall that clearly hasn't even been cleaned yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nothing's been cleaned. They I mean, didn't yeah. you could have hired a clean the realtor could have hired a cleaner to make it presentable yeah, right. to yeah. the family. They get, do mention too. He's like, "Well, you know, with the house and all the repairs and we don't really don't have that much money." I'm like, "What repairs have you been doing?" <laughs> I don't see Name any. one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, the, I the, said a I said a timer and the dog dies at exactly 16 minutes. So this wow. this movie does not fuck around. Yeah. And no one ever mentions the dog's death. Ever again. No, yeah. never again. It's not mentioned to the Warrens. They don't even seem to react sadly <laughs> once the dog dies. They don't give a shit. I think the dog, Sadie, committed suicide. Yeah. Because it realized it was in this shitty film. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, the dog is even looking up at the house as if to say, are you guys fucking serious? Yeah. What really? are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And you I know? thought there was going to be a thing as we see the different you know, occurrences happening in the house to the family, that there would be some sort of like rational explanation the way there often is. Yeah. Because you got Lily Taylor and she's taken all kinds of abuse, right? Yeah. And her husband is a truck driver. Right. I'm thinking the real story here is that he's beating her. Yeah, Ron Levinson's been going off. Right. The daughter is slamming her head into the wall. She's autistic. Yeah. She's undiagnosed, <laughs> severely autistic. These are real problems people yeah. have. There is no haunting here. No. Somebody conjure up a social worker for these people. <laughs> Later, the witch pukes in the mother of the family's mouth and possesses her. That night, the demonologist's wife finds a secret passage, falls through the floorboards, and encounters the witch, getting it all on film, providing enough evidence to convince the church to do an exorcism. So the Warrens get involved, and I kind of think that's one of the stronger parts. I think all of the bullshit leading up to it is yeah. par for the course, but I like the Warrens themselves. Because it's just so slow. Again, it's formulaic. It's yeah. a haunted house movie, and it's so slow. I was even going to say, with the dog dying, too, that is so typical of oh, like yeah. a horror movie where you want to show that the force is deadly, but you can't kill any of the main characters. Yeah. But all this action happens really fast in here. You have this long, protracted 
you know, set up with all the spooky things going on in the house. The Warrens get there, and the movie's over in 20 minutes later. Yeah. Why is it that in the world of exorcisms, the demons have completely bought into Christianity in that, like, crosses frighten them. Yeah. Is there a demon out there that's afraid of, like, the Star of David? Right. A statue of a Buddha? <laughs> yeah. a, a yoga mat? S- something else? <laughs> I think it's less to do with the religion and more to do with the conviction. It works for Ed Warren, or it works for somebody who, who is strong in their convictions, Whatever their religion is. No, I mean it's it's what it's the belief of the person that you're you're right. infecting to some degree, right? Yeah. So, and that's what we're seeing here. You got this whole thing where a Salem witch really was a witch and is again trying to force the inhabitants to do horrible things. Like, yeah, it was a little confusing there. You're like, hold on, another woman killed her son. It takes us a little while right. to realize, yeah, the goal of the spirit. Yeah, it's a little unclear because I feel like it, they're they're showing a lot of different ghosts too, yeah. or a lot of different like I guess. The demon takes on these, right, or whatever. In real life exorcisms, though, sometimes you people can be bombarded by multiple spirits. It's usually an opening, uh, transdimensionally, or at least uh, between the world of the living and the dead, where that allows the the these sort of spirits to uh, possess a body. Okay, Egon, but can you just explain that again with a Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> See this Twinkie? There's five dead bodies in this Twinkie. <laughs> What you're saying makes sense, but the movie barrels forward so fast here, it's hard yeah. for us to get our bearings. I know, and the whole haunting took 10 years. And the reality is the Warrens visited them over the course of a decade. But, I mean, there's really no build-up to this revelation. The Warrens get there, they immediately identify what the problem is, and suddenly yeah. we're in an exorcism. Yeah. The family flees to a hotel, and the demonologist duo return home where their daughter encounters the witch. The possessed mother takes two of her daughters back to the house to murder them, but the demonologist duo arrives in time to stop her. The demonologist's husband decides he cannot wait for church approval and attempts the exorcism himself. Let me stop you right there. There's a funny part where he's talking to the priest, and he's like, this is really serious. You gotta get involved, get the Vatican involved. And the priest goes, I'll push it through myself. What? Yeah, right after saying like, oh, you know, this needs Vatican approval. There's nothing I can do. Like, please? Like, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, pull a, I'll, pull, I'll pull a couple of exorcism strings right, yeah. And we'll, we'll get this locked I'll down push I, it through. Where, How are you pushing it through? I don't understand I love how useless this priest is throughout the entire fucking trilogy well, yeah, he's I, I will push through this letter into the mailbox <laughs> Personally And there's always a connection in all three films to the Warrens Meaning that the haunting follows them as well Back to their house right, Like right. they bring it with them yeah. Because she's a psychic herself It's like the spirit latches onto her once she gets involved in, right. in whatever the drama is going on in, in the house or what have yeah. you. Which is an interesting angle, but l- leads to confusion in all three films. With a combination of the exorcism and a happy memory the mother once had, they are able to banish the witch to hell. And that's the first conjuring. That's, that's the first conjuring. After experiencing the movie The Exorcist and the whole movie being about the exorcism, essentially, right. you expect that it's this really deep, long, difficult thing. This felt really half-assed, this yeah. exorcism. Really. They're like, oh, it's a, it's a fucking snap. You yeah. just, you know. Slapdash. He's not a priest. He, there isn't the religious weight that comes with, like, a member of clergy doing it. Right. It's like a guy just saying stuff. Well, that's why she had to remind her. And she was like, remember that picture when you guys were on the beach and your family? And she's like, oh, right. And then the demon goes away. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, it's too easy. I feel like all these movies have that ending where it's like, oh, think happy thoughts. And then the demon will go away. It's the whole John Ford quote. If you got to print the truth or the myth, print the myth. The myth being that they're, attractive globe-trotting yeah. uh yeah. demon hunters yeah right 
And in this movie, like... And are successful. Right. And are always successful, ultimately. Right. They give you this interesting ghost story-ish buildup through the most of the movie, and to see it just come to a, a completion so quickly with a couple of words... The whole story is the power of the two of them together, is that she Im inspires him to do the exorcism himself. That's every fucking part of the trilogy, is them being like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. You can do it. Oh, okay, I can do it. Yeah. All right, it's done. I'm a supportive spouse. Like, yeah, you know, good yeah. point. Good point. Just like, we get it. You fucking love each other. All right, enough. <laughs> and, and frankly, I find their relationship to be to be interesting in that he's the realist and she's the one that's the psychic and yeah. they kind of they, yeah. they have a good interplay off of one another. Kind of like a Mulder and Scully thing. Right. Yeah, sure, bit, sure, you know? I can see it's that. It's more Skulder and Molly. But Skulder and Molly. <laughs> I mean, you know. But at the end of the day, after all this verbiage, I found the movie to be boring. It was just boring. I to enjoyed me. it a lot. Just you gotta like that shit, Phil. It, Man, had, it, it had spooky moments when yeah. the hands clap out of the bureau. It's spooky. There's some spooky yeah, things. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, look, that. perhaps if I'm in a darkened theater and I'm, I'm I'm willing myself to be scared, yeah, those things will make me jump. The genre wasn't elevated by right. this film. There's nothing unique about it. I wasn't seeing really. anything I hadn't seen before. Right. And it's it seems like he's explicitly in the first movie trying to make it connected to the exorcism. Right. You know, or the exorcist rather. Right, right. And indeed, I think that almost cheapens it because if you're not going to elevate the genre and then on top of it you're going to reference a, a superior film. Right. To, to to you know to cobble together a conclusion, which they do a few times in this trilogy. True. Yeah. But but that doesn't work for me then. Yeah. No, it's it's you should, more... you should build on it if you're going to reference yeah. it. And look, I appreciate that their angle was well, this one has the Warrens, and so they're going to be you know they're the continuing characters in all three. And right. Their their relationship is what defines these ghost stories. Right. But what do they really bring into the table? Well, you know what? Why don't we jump into two and we can kind of discuss a little more. Okay. You know, what they bring. Hey, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, so moving right along to The Conjuring 2. 2016. In 1976, the demonologist duo are investigating a house where multiple murders happened. When during a seance, the demonologist's wife has a vision of a demon nun and her husband's impalement. Yeah, and so that's your little teaser in the second one, the whole right. Amityville horror riff, which I thought was cool when she's taking on the, the persona of uh, DeFeo. Killing everyone in the house. Right. Very, Very cool. Uh, Will Graham yeah, yeah. Manhunter or just Hannibal. You know, but you know, the reality is, is that the Amityville horror has been completely debunked. Really? Completely yeah. Yeah, yeah. debunked. They experienced none of those things. It was all fake. To, the, to their credit, though, in real life, the Warrens take every precaution possible to debunk all their, the hauntings that people come up to them with. They did the work uh, every time to just show them that it might have just been an electrical thing sure. or, or a gas leak. Kind of funny, though, that you would jump to uh, an electrical issue being a ghost. Like, this light keeps blinking. Like, and we were the first people you called? <laughs> like, you didn't call an electrician immediately? Like, call an older male in your family yeah. and ask them. <laughs> They'll know how to do it. There was a great Ghost Hunters episode where, like, they were like, our house is haunted! And they opened up a closet and it had, like, this stack of paint that was tipped over next to an electrical box and like a <laughs> gas pipe that was like loose. And they're like, okay, well, you're imagining shit. Yeah, and like, yeah. That was the episode. In school, it's like, don't put oily rags next to a source of like flame. Right, it's like, yeah. who's just got oily rags sitting around? <laughs> I always said that. I'm like, what oily yeah, rags? Throw them in the fire. I don't need this. Yeah. It's not the even... ghost of starting shit if you got oily rags. Oily rags. I'm going to go rest the oily rags on the radiator for a little while. <laughs> One year later, a British family experiences some paranormal activity in their house, 
and the daughter communicates with an old crotchety ghost who wants his house back. The family flees to their neighbor's house and they are interviewed for television. The demonologist duo are asked to investigate whether it's a hoax or not. And I really enjoy this part of the film tremendously. Yeah. The reason is, is because it's direct. They don't fuck around too long before it's clear to everyone that this is a spirit involved. Yeah. The, the, the cops see it, the neighbors see it, the, the, the media sees it. Right. She does a whole voice, and that makes me feel like, okay, this is like The Exorcist, where there's no fucking around. This is a demon, right. and we've got to get rid of it. And right. I like the directness of it. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about the scenes where all oh, the boys looking at the music box, at the, the, another music box. Yeah. They're always scary. Don't stop playing with music boxes. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, like at the factory for the music boxes, they're just jamming ghosts in every single <laughs> one of them. Like, this'll teach them. The demonologist's wife has another vision of the demon nun and scratches something into her Bible. Doesn't look at what she scratched. Maybe you should have done that when you did it. Yeah, right. Just saying. Just saying. It'll, it'll be important later. Two other paranormal investigators are brought in to help, but when they catch the possessed daughter smashing things in the kitchen to stage a ghost attack, they all determine it was a hoax. Really kind of a manufactured crisis there. Yeah. Because at this point, we're committed to the fact that the girl is possessed. So it's not it's not realistic that we're made to believe, oh, she's faking it. Right. What about every other thing that's happened in the movie? Yeah, this can't be how this movie ends. Yeah, right. Like, the Enfield haunting in real life attracted countless mediums trying to figure it out. Right. Uh, and so having those, having bargain basement Gene Shallot as one of the other ones. Yeah. Oh, Morris. quite fun. <laughs> I poped myself from the haunting. <laughs> from I, the conjuring, too. I even liked his character because you think he's just a kook. And then he has that conversation with Lorraine. And he was like, yeah, my daughter died. And like it kind of, you know, solidifies his character. And you're like, oh, he's a sympathetic dude. Yeah, they kind of paint him like as a douchebag at the beginning. Right. And then you hear that and you're like, oh, your oh. daughter's dead? Okay, you're fine. So even though you're exploiting them. Like, but the stakes are higher for him. It's funny you should say Gene Shout. He does look like Gene Shout, who is featured prominently in Poltergeist. Yes, oh he is. Fuck. That's right. That's true. There are more connections that we, yeah. you know, dare <laughs> imagine between these films. Things are getting spooky. <laughs> <laughs> the demonologist duo go to leave, but when they realize the spirit of the old man is being manipulated by the demon nun from the demonologist's wife's vision, they rush back to the house, and the demonologist husband stops the daughter from jumping out of a window almost resulting in his impalement. And I love this part of the movie because it's not your typical possession. The daughter, Janet, is being controlled by the ghost, Bill, right. who in turn is being controlled by the nun, by the evil nun. Right. So the nun is using a ghost for nefarious purposes. Very clever. Like she's hiding behind this ghost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that and, moment. And, and the ghost doesn't like it. The ghost's like, let me get free of this. I yeah. came here just to see my family. They're not here. I want to be gone. Right. And and the, the evil nun demon is like, oh no. Yeah, I really enjoyed this because I, 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 I'm tired of the trope of an angry old man is a ghost right. in this building. Really, he just wants to move on, but yeah. he's being held hostage by a demon. Right. The demonologist's wife realizes that if they say the demon nun's name, she will lose her power. The demonologist's wife gets her Bible she scratched in earlier and realizes that she wrote down the demon nun's name, speaks it, and condemns the demon nun to hell. Pretty cool, and that's though. Conjuring too. Was the demon's name Varitek, as in Jason Varitek? No, Valak. The former Red Sox? I thought it was Varitek. <laughs> it wasn't Jason Var... No, oh, oh, no. All right. Varitek. Well, if, if they chanted his Fuck. name and he sucked, then there you go. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. All you have to do is say its name. Yeah. Just guess a bunch of names. Right. A little easy, dog. Phil. That would have been a hard one ah! to guess. <laughs>
He's gone. Much better than the first. Yes, I, yeah, I enjoyed I the think, second one more. Yeah, I really. And also, I think there's something to be said for it taking place in England and yeah, two Americans kind existing. of instant creepiness yeah. with England. You know, uh-huh. dreary seventies England. Yeah, um, but again, yeah, the, a demon controlling a ghost. Good angle. Yeah, at least it's something different. You know, interesting. Yeah. But I just, I still wrote these films. Just don't engage me. I think that I'm just biased towards, like, against these kinds of films. Yeah. So yeah. Th- I, I'm engaged in this insofar as like I love seeing the depiction of a healthy married relationship between two people who are solving something or working together. To feel just yeah, looking for sorry. a healthy relationship. <laughs> I mean, honestly, listen. How many movies you see? <laughs> if I can't have one in real life, at least I can have one on film. <laughs> I have a subscription to the Criterion like, Channel. I see so much shit. It's like it's like what's her name, Ellie Kemper, on The Office when she's talking about horror movies, and she's like, "I like the early part when the family's all happy and everything." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Scotty, bring it home. Yes, I will. I will bring it home with The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. 2021, this previous summer. In 1981, the demonologist duo are helping to perform an exorcism on a young boy. During the exorcism, the boy's sister's boyfriend tells the demon to take him instead, and the demon obliges. (laughs) Ed says, I can't remember one quite like this. Well, three years ago, you were almost impaled to death. (laughs) Right, yeah. You can't remember that? Yeah. How many of these are you doing? I don't know. A kid punched him in the chest and his heart stopped working. I don't know. That that didn't happen in the last two movies. It's also a little confusing that no one else in the room seems to notice that the demon goes from the boy into the guy, into what's his name. He notices, but he can't talk right because he has a heart attack. (laughs) I guess so, but the movie makes it look like it just, it happens in front of everyone. Arnie's eyes get all demon-y. And suddenly, the, the girlfriend is like, hey, things are great now. We're at the kennel. We're having a good yeah, time. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. This just went away by itself. It's like, why are you giving this kid a chainsaw? He's possessed by the, a demon. Yeah. That's pretty dangerous already, chainsaw on a string, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Hey, you're looking real pale today. You want to work with the chainsaw? Feel better? <laughs> you look super weak. Here, carry this chainsaw. <laughs> the demonologist's husband is the only one to witness the transfer of the demon from the boy to the boy's sister's boyfriend but suffers a heart attack and is unconscious for a month. When he wakes, the demonologist husband relays the information, but it is too late. The boy's sister's boyfriend has murdered a dog kennel owner. We should really examine whether that guy maybe had it coming. Yep. He was kind of a lot. Seemed pretty sleazy. Okay, no yeah. boundaries. No boundaries <laughs> on that guy. This lecherous fuck over here. In this, in this vile dog kennel, yeah. animals abused... Yeah. Hey, guys, listen, I got this dog kennel, but I also got some beers, and I got this record play. If you can get a plan, we could maybe, like, I could fuck yeah. your girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I like how he owned a dog kennel but couldn't stand the dogs. <laughs> like, like, he was just like, you? what am I supposed to do with all these dogs? I don't know. Don't open a fucking dog kennel. Honestly, what do you want to tell you? In your, is, in your house. The moral yeah. of the story, follow your passion or die horribly. <laughs> <laughs> the demonologist duo convinced the boy's sister's boyfriend's lawyer to claim possession as a defense and begin investigating the initial possession of the boy. In court, she's like, I'm going to plead him not guilty on the grounds of demonic possession. That's not a valid plea. Yeah, no. It's still insanity. <laughs> Let's wait for the judge to go, no. What are you talking about? You can't do that. And stupid Ed is like, the, the court believes in God all the time when you're swearing a Bible. It's like, yeah. Ed, yeah. with that 
childish. It's about time. They, I know. It was one of those, I'm like, oh, cool line. Wait a minute. Thought about it for two seconds. No, it's not no, a cool that line. That doesn't mean that the court acknowledges the existence of God. It just means that you're swearing yeah. on something that's important to people where they wouldn't right. lie. He's it's a like, demonologist. He's not a lawyer. I mean, right, yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> where did you go to demon law school? When we get to the Oh God trilogy, it's a similar thing. It's like, prove there's God. He's gonna. George Burns going to walk across the courtroom. Yeah. Like, uh, come on. And who's God? The weakest man you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the demonologist duo discover that there is a totem beneath the boy's house, and after consulting with an old priest, find that the family has been intentionally cursed by someone. The demonologist duo then begin to investigate a similar case where a totem was found and discover a young girl was also possessed, stabbed her friend, and jumped off a cliff into water, where police then find the girl's body. This is where things start to get very complicated in this film. You yeah. think it's going to be a classic courtroom film or a, a legal thriller right. with the angle of possession, but then we jump back into Lorraine's psyche again. Yeah. And we're not really sure what the connection is. What's going on here? When they're, yeah. they're out in the woods with that guy and then what you're about to say. The demonologist duo break into a funeral home so they can touch the young girl's body in order to discover who is doing all this. You wrote that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's true. It's what happened. <laughs> That's exactly, it's what, exactly they what they did. They touched her squelchy, weird, fucking lake-drenched body. That was just the most disgusting part of the trilogy. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me if you looked it up and you were like, no, the Warrens used to go fuck dead bodies all the time. They were, they were some freaky deaky. Yeah, they liked to monster <laughs> smash. Am I right? <laughs> I'm monster mash my dick into your mouth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it was late one night. <laughs> I was working in the lab late one night that monster when smash. I put my dick in a dead body. Well, it doesn't even rhyme, Boris. What are you doing? All right, go, go to the second version right. of that song, okay? <laughs> you have the first interpretation. Is I like, you know, the melody is good. I think you need to rewrite some of the lyrics, though. Yeah, let's soften this up a little bit. All right, none, all right, none of the sex shit. <laughs> all right, just keep it about the party? Okay, great. All right. Yeah, maybe enough. something about Dracula, I don't know. <laughs> great notes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> After touching the dead girl's body, the demonologist's wife sees a woman who is forcing the boy's sister's boyfriend to kill himself, but the demonologist's wife stops her just in time. The demonologist duo return home where the husband is possessed due to a totem in his house and nearly kills his wife. So this is where the confusion kind of ends and it becomes a crime story again. Right. Because they reveal that the Satan worshiper is sending totems to different people. So a totem was sent to the girl. Totem was placed under the bed in the uh, in the house that you know where this the kid was originally possessed yeah and now the third totem has been sent to ed the demonologist duo discover that all the totems came from the same area and they realize it's right near the old priest's house and when the demonologist wife confronts him he tells her his daughter is the woman behind all of this and brings her to the altar where the curse was cast, which must be destroyed to stop her. The priest is like, you know, I wanted to show my daughter what I was into, you know, the occult, but instead she just became a Satan worshiper. Maybe and I, I just kept saying, now don't ever do this. Yeah, maybe you should have just been like a Jets fan, yeah. and she would have just been a football fan. Yeah. You should have had a man cave. Instead, right. you've got a, a cave. Right. No. <laughs> exactly. This yeah. is this is a classic case of I got it from you, Dad. Yeah. I learned it by watching you. <laughs>
<laughs> and seriously, I, no, you keep expecting, especially at the end of this movie, once that's revealed, you keep expecting that the Warrens are going to be like, maybe we shouldn't have the exact same thing at our house. Right. With our daughter. Yeah. Never comes up. Right. God, the lesson is right in front of you, guys. Well, you know, another another visual cue from the poltergeist is their complete lack of care for their daughter. The old priest's daughter kills the old priest and possesses the demonologist husband, who arrives with a sledgehammer. Just before the demonologist husband kills his wife, she reminds him of a happy memory they share, and he snaps out of it and destroys the altar, saving the boy's sister's boyfriend, and the woman behind all of this is killed by a demon. Don't you remember when we went to the, the sock hop in 1952? Ed, remember the gazebo? Yeah, it just this this one felt disjointed in that you're combining two kinds of films. Right. And there's that confusion in the middle involving Lorraine's flashbacks and, again, the supernatural element infecting her directly. Yeah. And Ed yeah. directly. And so you're like, okay, this is, you know, this will be a cool crime drama. Yeah. And it's it just gets muddled in the middle. It, it is, I think it's really the only one that uh, constitutes as an investigation yeah. of all three of these movies. Sure. Yeah. The second one, the investigation is like takes about 10 seconds and they're like, yup, there's ghosts here. Yeah. And then they continue. So I wrote hidden beneath the imagery and the pomp is an interesting concept and it just isn't fleshed out in exactly the right way. How far can you play with real people in a fictional setting? Yeah. And right. I think that's where this movie sort of hits a wall. As much yeah. as I love these two characters, it goes to, it goes to like a little too far. But you know, I got to tell you, I enjoy the production values of these films. Like oh, I yeah. said before, I enjoy that little teaser they give you in the beginning into the into the, you know, the title card. Yeah. And I really enjoy how all three movies have the ending with the real Warrens, the real recordings, the real pictures of them. Yeah. I'm a sucker for that. I think that's just very slick, really good book ending, really good production yeah. quality with respect to the film. Also, yeah. the way that they introduce every family in the three movies with one single shot yeah. is really cool. Also, the way that they manage to have these jump scares within a master shot without having to cut to an effect is really, well, one, economical, and two, like, smart. But just, I, I love the visual style of the trilogy. That's the trick, though, right? I mean, what yeah. you just described is the trick. Not having to flash the camera over to the other side of the room to get the scare. It's in front of you the entire time, right? Right. So we, we really don't expect it. Okay. So. That's the movies. Good stuff, sir. Um, I guess it's time to move on to the details of the films, the technical details and the acting details. And for that, I get a song. Billy? Love that. All right. We're talking about The Conjuring first. These films, the first two, are directed by James Wan. He was the guy behind the Saw movies. Yeah. Okay? And which really redefined horror in the early 2000s. Right. I know you're a big fan of the Saws, Scott. I am. I am. And he's a trilogy superstar because... He directed the Annabelle films, which it's a spin-off trilogy of this trilogy. Right. That has to do with the uh, the doll that we meet in the beginning of the first film. He was also has a lot to do with the Insidious films, and there's been like four or five Insidious films. And he also was the director of Aquaman. That's right. Phil mentioned it a million times. Of course, these movies are based on the lives of the Warrens, famous paranormal investigators that were prominent in the 70s and 80s. Right. Both are dead now. Um, the wife only nice. recently... Scott, that's horrible. Come on. Uh, the, the wife only recently died a couple of years ago yeah. because she was involved in the first film. She was interviewed extensively by Juan, and the actors, Farmiga and Wilson, met with her to do a ton of research for the role. Was there anything that you really wanted to tell in your when, when you made the transition to film? I was on the set, you know, and I didn't really have any 
any corrections or changes. This movie existed in developmental hell for 14 years until finally uh, New Line got the rights to it. The movie was a tremendous hit. It was made for $20 million in North America. It did 137 worldwide, 319 It broke the Purge's record for uh, an original R-rated horror film. Good. Fuck the Purge. Falling out of fucking yeah, trilogy that's status. that's right. Exactly, Phil. Fuck the Purge. It's no longer yeah. a trilogy. We're not even interested in that. Piece of shit. Fuck you! Fuck your money! And motherfuck the Purge! The movie garnered generally positive reviews, but the negative ones, again, had to do with a lot of the things we've discussed, that there's an unoriginality there. Right. Um, and uh, there were tons of comparisons, of course. Poltergeist and The Exorcist just come up a lot. The again, first... you can see he's inspired. By right. This. The first movie feels like oh, yeah. a pilot of sorts, of just to sort of sell you on, on the two of them. Yeah, good. Yeah. More, than, more so than just a horror movie. See, I would have been more interested in like maybe a TV show of this, where right. you get to like see different cases and yeah. things like that, you know? There were lawsuits involved in this film. Yes. The people who, whose house this whole incident happened in wound up want, like owning the house. People were coming over and like wrecking their shit and having seances. Stealing stuff at like three in the morning. Wow. Yeah, so they I sued the film company. I think the film company settled with them. Oh, wow. Um, and also, there's a guy that wrote a book about the Warrens. Right. I, I thought this case was actually interesting. I had heard about this, that um, the whole thing is that the movies are based on the lives of the Warrens. Right. It's not based on the book, but it depicts things that happen in the book. And the, the author was like, I made those up. Ah. I took their stories and I made them good. Like, well, sure, I, sure. I added a lot of bullshit. You're using my intellectual property of something that I made up. And you're getting away with it by saying, oh, it's just based on their lives, not on the book. Like, right. It absolutely and is based on the book. Look, and the guy won. He settled with the studio. Yeah. So he yeah. had a case. That guy also does kind of slander Ed Warren in a few interviews here and there because he, I think they had a falling out over royalties before he died. Okay. And so he says, like, yeah, Ed told me, just make it up. Just, you're, you write fiction, right? Make it up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I got to wonder if it's just some, like, fucking grumpy old men shit. Yeah, like that. That's the thing. Watching the movies the entire time is, I have to stop and go. You know, the, the the fact that it's connected to real people in real life, it's based on real people, bums me out. Yeah. Immediately, you're like, all right, so it's all fake. So none of this happened. But it is because, kind of real. You know, in real life, there are no ghosts. <laughs> that's funny you should say that, Scott, because Farmiga claimed that during the filming of the first movie, there were many paranormal occurrences, and there were claw marks that would appear on her. Her computer and on her body, and uh, the, the crew was waking up uh, all at 3.07, the time indicated in the movie. Things falling off shelves. Yeah, when she say this, at the press junket? Exactly. Right. It just screams like, yeah. you know, publicity stunt. Right. Right. Well, we talked about this with Poltergeist, too, where they, they play up the curse right. of, like, all right. the actors died and stuff. And I'm like, what? I feel like the studio probably pushed that, <laughs> yeah. too. Every time I pull out a sheet of toilet paper, these little five little claw marks fall to the floor. I am serious. Patrick, don't roll your eyes at me. I will, I, do you want me to bring you to the bathroom and show you? Um, so then we got The Conjuring 2. And, you know, based upon what we just said, they had a priest, like, exercise the set of The Conjuring 2 so they could maintain this bullshitty kind of yeah. story about crazy things happening. So like the old William Castle shit where, like, death certificates will be handed out in the event you die of fright from the shocker. <laughs> yeah. We've got paramedics <laughs> waiting in the lobby. Yeah. yeah. Shut up. No. Like, no one died during The Exorcist. No one was scared to death. Your attention, please. During every suspenseful moment of the running of the motion picture macabre, the life of everyone in this theater will be insured by Lloyd's of London for $1,000 against death by fright. 
But The Conjuring 2 was planned before the first one even opened because of how well the first one was test screened. Like, they knew they had a hit on their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie was, again, a gigantic hit. Made for $40 million this time, 102 in North America, 320 worldwide. Mm. The numbers pretty much matched the first film. It was the highest grossing horror film of the year. And it was big in Catholic countries. I mean, they are kind of big commercials for Catholicism. Exactly. The Catholic Church. We've made a few changes. These Super Bowl commercials are weird. And it got mostly good reviews, just like the first one. These were very similar with the way they were made and the way they were received, both the first and second film. And of course, it spawned a spin-off film called The Nun, about the history of that evil character. Right. The Abbey has a long history. Fuck. Not all good. And then, of course, we get The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I hope they paid the estate of Flip Wilson yeah, for that right. one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Phil. No Conjuring 3, instead a hackneyed reference to, what's her name? What was Flip's character? Geraldine. Geraldine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to buy this dress. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> and, and this came out recently, and it was the situation with all the Warner Brother films where it was simultaneously streamed on HBO Max right. when it came out, but it still was released at 3,100 screens. Yeah. I mean, it got a huge release. We wouldn't be talking about this now if it went straight to streaming. We don't do that. Yeah. We only talk about films that were released on over 700 screens, but this was released in a big way, um, and it made the least amount of money of all three. It was made for 39, did $65 million in uh, this country, and $202 million globally. It made a profit. It was still a success, and still the third biggest pandemic opening. I can't believe we even have a designation called the biggest pandemic opening. It's kind of yeah. s- sad state that we're living in now. Um, well, I guess we didn't have films in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> I, suppose, <laughs> I suppose you're right. Which Nickelodeon had the highest opening that year? Man Falls Down. <laughs> <laughs> this one, though, got mixed reviews, unlike the first two. People didn't seem to like this one nearly as much. I mean, this one essentially kind of dispels the notion of them battling ghosts and has it be more of a, them battling a human who's also adept yeah, that yep. is kind of weird that the bad guy is a human. Especially for the legitimacy of this story. You're like, okay, so there was a real person? Like, where did what did they find this person? Satan worshippers are like fucking dorky. Like, you know, it's hard yeah. to take a Satan worshipper seriously. She's dressed like a fucking Skyrim necromancer. Right. <laughs> Necromancy may be legal in Cyrodiil, but few will openly admit to practicing it now that the Mages Guild has banned it. There were only four actors that were in all three films. First two are pretty obvious. You got Patrick Wilson, who played Ed. Patrick Wilson started out as a Broadway guy and then has is known as like the Hollywood Scream King now. Because yeah. again, his relationship with Juan, he was in the Insidious films, in some of the Annabelle films. Trilogy Superstar because of that. In fact. Right, yeah. You know, like we said before, he's also been in some superhero films, Aquaman, and he was in uh, The Watchmen. Yes, yep. he was. Played Night Owl 2. Yes, he did. Can you tell us anything about that, Scotty? He was very good. He he was quite good in it. I thought he was well cast. He actually looks more like the character from the comic than, than this movie. Um, okay. But yeah, he's the second Night Owl. Uh, he He's sort of a... I always see... There's him and Rorschach were partners, and I always see them as sort of like splitting Batman in two. Oh. Like Rorschach's like the darker angle and like the whole oh, the city and blow the shit. And like Night Owl's kind of the one with all the gadgets. And oh, stuff. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a maintenance hatch that'll let you out two blocks north. Yeah, I remember. Came here often when we were partners. Those were great times, huh, Rorschach? What happened? You quit. Patrick Wilson was also in the A-Team, which, you know, 
was a horror in its own right. And uh, he was also in a horror called uh, In the Tall Grass. Based on a book written by Stephen King and Joe Hill. He, oh, wrote, he okay. wrote it with his son. Vera Farmiga. Yeah. Okay, was also in all three, of course. I actually accidentally walked into and went to a, a Q&A with, I guess, one of her managers. And he talked about how she loves the horror genre and wanted her work to be uh, focused on on horror and as such i mean she's in the bates motel series well she's right. done a lot of high profile things yeah um she's a little spooky we didn't really know anything about her until the departed that right. the movie yeah, kind yeah. of broke her wide open and then she was nominated for an academy award for um up in the air that george clooney film. right right yes it's interesting she was grew up in an, uh, an insular ukrainian community in new jersey in Irvington. Oh, wow. But I mean, she didn't even speak English until she started going to school. She spoke only Ukrainian, you know, completely closed society. But anyway, Vera Farmiga was also in um, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Yeah. She was, was in Source good. Code, of course, the Annabelles, trilogy superstar. Right. She had a part in uh, When They See Us, the Central Park Jogger miniseries that uh -huh. you know, was very well known. She was uh, Norma Bates in the Bates Motel from 2013 to 2017. Right. And Livia in the Many Saints Dude, of Newark. That's right. Dude. Yeah. The, that she looks the Sopranos film. She looks and sounds amazing from the trailer alone. On the basis of the Sanford Binet, he's high IQ. You can't prove it by me. He's got a D plus average. The other two characters that were in all three films are a lot more minor. Um, Steve Coulter played Father Gordon, the useless priest in all three films. Sure. Um, he's a big time TV dude. He was actually also in Watchmen, the miniseries. Yep. Played, ah. played Simmons. He was in Walking Dead. Walking Dead. And he he died after three episodes of being like uh, a useful guy. Yep. House of Cards. He played uh, Mitch Scanlon. And you know what started him off? The, uh, the television show, I'll Fly Away. If you haven't witnessed television's finest hour, do it now. I'll Fly Away, now on Fridays, following Matlock on NBC. And then, of course, the final character that was in all three is uh, Shannon Cook, the guy that played the, uh, you know, their helper, like their, their, their tech helper. Yeah, 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 yeah. set up the cameras and stuff. Right. Really a minor character, but he was in all three. <laughs> this guy is famous pretty much just from being on Degrassi, the next generation, that Canadian show. Oh, wow. Uh, um, and that's, that's basically it. So let's talk a little bit, gentlemen, about the first movie, details, humorous parts of The Conjuring. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. After Office Space, I have a hard time connecting Ron Livingston with anything else other than a guy right. who's had an emotional breakdown who just doesn't I agree. care. It's hard to see him as a as a, as a truck driver. Right, yeah, you know? right. Of course, Lily Taylor plays the, the wife. Yeah. I really liked her performance. She's this. a trilogy superstar. She was both in um, Born on the Fourth of July, which mm. is part of the Oliver Stone Vietnam trilogy, and she's in Maze Runner. I don't care for Lily Taylor. She's really an indie art house actress. That's what she's most famous for. Yes. Minor yeah. films you ne haven't necessarily heard of, the occasional big budget movie. She was in Rudy. She played Rudy's girlfriend in Rudy, and her best role was one of her earliest, in my opinion, when she plays uh, that girl in Say Anything. Right. Who's obsessed with Joe, the guy yeah, yeah, that yeah. She sings the, she plays it on the guitar, the Joe yes. Lies uh -huh. song. I find her very irritating. I don't know what it is. Because it's six feet under. Yes, I think it is because, uh, yeah, I fucking hate her in six feet. That character is the worst. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Don't worry. I don't expect anything from you. I don't expect anything at all. Lisa, I don't know how. how... Uh, don't you remember when you came to Seattle last August and you fucked me? And then he left the next day like it didn't mean a goddamn thing. In the beginning with the whole thing with Annabelle, that little, the teaser. Yeah. Who would want that horrible looking doll in the first place? Right. 
Yeah, that, what? That's, it looks terrible. Yeah. Exactly. It looks a piece dirty. of garbage. That's, yeah. that, again, that's truth stranger than fiction. Actual Annabelle is just an innocuous Raggedy Ann doll. By making it scary, it's like, well, Jesus, what'd you expect from this fucking right. doll? Exactly. Like if it was a teddy bear, would you have made it like yeah. the scary looking, <laughs> yeah. awful teddy bear? Like Also, real Annabelle, fucked up because it would, it would leave notes like save us or save Lou, which was like the woman in real life's boyfriend. Yeah. And it would leave it on parchment paper and no one in the house had parchment paper. So where the fuck is this thing getting? Par- it must know where all the classy paper stores are. <laughs> yeah. The investigators go to the paper store. They're like, have you seen a doll? Yeah, it came in here the other day and bought some fucking paper. Customer. <laughs> there are just a lot of things that we see in this in this film that are reminiscent of Poltergeist and other films. All three films have the whole thing with the white noise on the TV, which is a huge part of what Poltergeist is. But there's a little taste of it in all three of these films. Yeah. As well as, there's an intruder in the house. Let's head to the basement. Yeah. It's yeah, the most yeah. dangerous, you know, place. It's like, you know, shit only happens at night. Yep. You know, like... But why doesn't the ghost or the spirit ever just get to the point? It's instead, they're just fucking with the family for a little while. Then it's yeah. like... And oh, they just kind of like ratchet it up and ratchet yeah. it yeah. up until... Just get to it. What are you What are you doing? That's what I mean. This like, movie's a, such a slow burn. Accomplish like, your goal more quickly. Yeah. Ghosts can be fucking petty, too. I don't know you. I don't know this guy, Sam, but let me tell you what he did to me. He kept me up all night singing, I'm Henry VIII, I am. Hide and clap. Is that a thing? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. I said, I turned to Amy and I was like, it's hide and seek. Yeah. What, what is this variation? Yeah. It's I like mean, you want them to find you. I don't understand. Hide and seek mixed with like Marco Polo yeah, is basically yeah, right. what it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They should have really done a product placement crossover with the clapper in this. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. Like if once you clap, the light goes on, the light goes off, you know? It's too early. It was the, it was the 70s, right? So yeah, that's true. Hey, want to play hide and clap? Clap on, clap on, clap on, clap on. I feel like there there is a uh, universal thing of being young and watching a horror movie and then it affecting the way you sleep. Uh, so, for instance, I was just thinking of this watching this movie, but uh, there was Ernest Scared Stupid, and uh, there's a part where there's a troll like in the bed with her. She like yes. turns around, the troll's like right How there. How did he get there? He he drools everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and he's got all the snot and all the cra- disgusting, really scary. Even though it's an Ernest movie, it scared the shit out of me. Another classic horror film. Yeah, but I uh, used to sleep spread out like a star, like in the bed, because I was like, no way, no fucking trolls get in here without me knowing about it. I will as soon as he tries to get in, I'm gonna feel him getting in, and I'm be like, no, no trolls. In horror movies, there's always like the one kid who has to like see all the things. Right. Like like no one else can see it, but she can. And like, why don't we pick this poor unfortunate kid? Yeah. But there's kind of a cool shot in there where she's underneath the bed and it does like she's looking uh, that's it. She's leaning off the bed looking under. That was cool. And it does that like spin where it comes back up and it's like right side up. Yeah. Just a very cool shot. There are some moments in these movies where I'm like, that was just a cool like horror shot. That sure. It's kind right. of disorienting shot. Like, I think he does that kind of well. Creepy as fuck. Yeah. I think that's that, good that scene's probably the creepiest scene of the, this whole movie with the man behind the door. Uh, and, like, uh, you can't really like see him. And like, she just seems there's a man behind that door. She's like, of, what are you talking about? Yeah. The smell of raw meat. Yeah. Which persists in, in in real life is one of the main details in yeah. a lot of hauntings. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we see you, I smell that. And frankly, I know yeah. you're not a ghost. You Haunting this place with my ass. That bastard. <laughs> Ugh, it's that smell again. Oh, my God. It's standing right behind you. The girl, the fucking girl, like, slamming her head against things, she just looks drunk to me. Like, 
I'm like, I feel like I've had nights like this where you're just slamming into a door, like, why want it open? Like, <laughs> why is it, what the fuck is this? You got the paranormal psychologists that, again, in this film are completely like accepted in academia at a college. They have their own office. Yeah. Just like in Poltergeist, just like in the Ghostbusters. How come there, this wasn't at my college? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, who's accepting these kooks? I couldn't take one of these classes like as an elective. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. It's actually right. relatively cheap to uh, study demonology. Personally, I like the university. They gave us money and facilities. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. When the Warrens meet the family, they're describing what happens in the house. And they're like, yeah, and it's the weirdest thing. Birds just keep crashing into our house and breaking their necks and dying. Oh, it's the damnedest thing. Yeah, once we figure out this possession stuff, we really need to figure out what's happening with the birds. Like, they're not two separate things. Uh, yeah, and, like... and later, <laughs> they, later we actually see the birds do it. And look, here's the reality. Birds just look stupid. So when a bird smashes into the, <laughs> like, the, the house, worst. and it's kind of like on the ground being like, uh, like looking fucked up from flying into the building. Yeah. You don't feel scared. You're like, look at that dumb bird. I accidentally killed a bird once when I was driving. You know, it's the damnedest thing, but we also get all kinds of birds that will just fly against the side of the house and break their necks. Hmm. Really? I, I like when they first interviewed them, too. She, she, the Lily Taylor's like, well, where should I start? And he's like, at the first occurrence. Like, in the way he says it is like, you're like, yeah, where do you think you start? The start. Like, are you, are you stupid? Like... Yeah, and then they wrap it up with, they're like, they come, they come there and they fuck around. They're like, all right, well, you know, thanks for having us. By the way, it's going to get a lot worse now that we've been here and uh, you're not allowed to leave. Bye. <laughs> like, like, what? Damn. Why did you even come here? Like, yeah, now they're really mad. Bye. <laughs> Have a good time. Now we can put a face on the horror that's been haunting yeah. you and it's worse than you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. We just came in and we shook up a bag of snakes and then just left. I mean, like, seriously, this isn't Casper. Uh, there's a part where she's showing, she's like, this is where Rory hides. And she immediately goes into it. And I just thought, she's going to go like, that's a great idea. Let's hide. <laughs> like, we'll hide from the ghost. Oh, the scene with the uh, the music box. Yeah. I had one of your moments, Scott, where I had a crazy piece of dialogue in my head. I wanted the kid to turn to Lorraine and say, Rory's genitals were caught in this music box. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so upset. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he can't rest. <laughs> I got it stuck. You got what stuck? It. Oh! It, um, um, uh, well, uh, listen, uh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, these kind of things happen. Uh, uh, let's have a look at it. No, for God never say so at one point she's looking out in the water and she sees her daughter like floating yeah. by a like, glowing. <laughs> and I thought it was great because I'm like, this just seems like a mob warning to me. Like <laughs> Judy sleeps with the fishes. If you don't, you keep your nose out of our business. What the hell is this? That's a silly message. I love too. There's this relationship with the, there's like the cop character who's helping them out too, and he's got a thing with like the assistant right. that he was like, ah, it was probably just a draft or whatever, and later after everything happens, he's like, oh, 
did a draft do that? Really? <laughs> what? Dude, I don't need your fucking shit. Okay, yeah. we almost all died yeah. in this. Thing. A demon just attacked me, dickhead. Yeah, I believe now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you, believe now. Okay, you've made me feel like a real asshole. Does that make you feel like a big man? Yeah. <laughs> make you feel like a big man. And I love at the end, of course, the Vatican calls and says the exodus is approved way too late. We know a lot about the Vatican. We did the Robert Langdon trilogy, so we know how ineffective they can be. I like the bureaucratic nonsense of having to wait for somebody to say, "Yeah, sure, you can uh, yell at a." ghost (laughs) we'll allow it and that to me is the perfect note to jump into the conjuring too yes after everything we've seen there isn't much that rattles either of us anymore but this one this one still haunts me you know, we have the teaser, of course, in the beginning with the Lutz family. And I just thought it was kind of funny that after she goes through the whole thing where we see her like being DeFeo and shooting everyone, she has yeah. a total freak out in front of the Lutzes. And I want the Lutzes to be like, okay, we brought you in here to help us. You're just making things worse. There's a lot of times in these movies where they're like, I'm scared. We're like, what do you mean you're scared? What do, <laughs> how are we supposed to feel? We get to England, right? When the haunting begins. Mm, yeah, I just find it extremely funny that the girl's bedroom is laden with Starsky posters, but no uh, hutch. Yeah. No hutch. The same picture, not yeah. multiple different <laughs> posters. It's the same shot of him wearing that strange sweater with the, the thick collar of the 70s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is that big of a Starsky fan they in England? It. Well, he was the cute one. We only have the no rights to Starsky. But no, who's just a fan of it's like... a half-hour episode of just this picture of Starsky. <laughs> <laughs> who's a fan of just one partner, like one of two people? You're still seeing what's-her-name? Sure. Still seeing what's-her-name? Took her to the whatchamacallit. I gave her my thingamajig. <laughs> Was that serious? It's not. Is there a more on-the-nose representation of uh, London uh, than London calling for the montage? Uh, yeah. No, we were saying before, if it isn't London calling, it's dun 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 and the remote keeps yeah. being stolen from her. Right. That's boy, that's just the worst kind of a ghost. The ghost is a cranky old man. He won't let you watch your TV shows. He's probably he's 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 hates immigrants. He's, mm. he's he, he, all he says to you in your ear while you're sleeping is get off my lawn. Get <laughs> off my lawn. Back in my day. I need to watch my stories. Yeah. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. I have a I have a great question. Did the furniture come with the house? Why did they keep the dirty old rocking chair in the corner that the old man died in. Like, when you moved in, why did you keep all the furniture? Yeah. Did, no one took that out? And then they didn't even get rid of it after that. Yeah. Like, say, like, later that the mother, like, died, died in that chair you years later. the like, chair? I don't why? know. Are you crazy? Yeah. They had a couch shortage in the 70s in London. <laughs> yeah. It was known for the couch yeah. shortage, the furniture shortage. Yeah. Great furniture shortage in 1979. I believe That's they right. called that the troubles. That <laughs> 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 was absolutely the troubles. People are sitting on the floor, oh. <laughs> a, a half-filled beanbag we chair. Are, no one it, had any options. It was we troubling. We are all about to get headbutted by someone after this is released. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> like she's possessed and she's the old man or whatever. And like the, the mother's like, oh, honey, calm down. He's like, shut up, you old cow. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was waiting for someone to be like, look, I don't care if you are possessed. You do not talk to your mother like that. <laughs> that's just like the old SNL scene uh, with uh, Richard Pryor. It's oh, yeah, Based yeah, on yeah, the yeah. exorcist. Yeah. Your mother eats kitty litter. So what? Your mama eats kitty litter. Well, nobody talk about my mother. <laughs> Yeah, I love the whole scene where the media comes in and they're talking to old 
Angry Bill. Yeah. It's awesome. And all while this is happening right around the same time when the Warrens get involved, they get the visions of the nun. And Ed wakes up in the middle of the night and he's painting a perfect picture of the nun. And like they put it right on the wall. Why would you put that on the wall? Like yeah. that's the troubling vision you saw that's going to kill Ed. Why are you putting it on the wall? Right. Yeah. Why why are you hanging? But also this? I think it, it also goes to to illustrate the dynamic between them where he's got just sort of a raw power of of reading a situation, whereas Lorraine can tap into it. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think it leads to a really kind of a cool part in the movie when the the specter gets behind the painting. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. joins oh, up yeah. with the painting, it comes yeah. towards her. And pretty like cool. a couple of like yeah. fake out moments of her turning the light on, you're like, yeah. no, still the painting. All right, fine. You can keep it. As long as you don't mind that she's haunted. What, 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 what? <laughs> well, legend has it, Joey, that she comes alive when you're asleep. When they're talking to um, Bill or whatever, and like, like the girl, like he won't talk, and they're like, "All right, we'll we'll turn around." And they all turn like, "Yeah, turn your back on the malevolent spirit." Yeah. That's a really fucking smart. I didn't idea. even understand the whole thing with put, having her drink water because to show she's not throwing her voice. Yeah. Well, how do you? Where would this? Where's the so spirit where does coming? The voice coming from? Right. Now you've raised more questions. <laughs> and then when we hear the guy, this is one of my favorite parts. We hear the guy. Suddenly, Bill becomes the copy guy from SNL. He's like, he's like Eddie Edward. Ed, Ed, <laughs> making Ed copies, Edward. <laughs> I love he's like, uh, Ed, Ed's fine. But I think that's actually kind of a scary part of the movie. As silly as it is with turning their backs on him, yeah. they focus on the girl and you see the, the her blurry image becomes right. the old man. Like the form changes. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, That was good stuff. It ended up being a good scene, but it was still like, I'm like, well, you're smarter than this. Yeah. Bill. Billy. The Billster. Bill Man. Billy Bill Bill. The name is Randy. That cross flip was pretty cool too. When yeah. she all goes the, through all the, the crosses, the crosses. <laughs> I was just cracking up because all I could think was like, I was like, no, no, they look better this way. Now they all look like tiny swords. <laughs> 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 the kind you get at medieval times. In the midst of what's become a cool movie, you know, I'm enjoying it. All of a sudden, Ed sits down and starts playing an Elvis song on I the guitar. I liked it. What? It's it's so unnecessary. It's, it's really why? weird. The whole movie is has a lot of padding in that. It's like let's. It's just gonna say the whole movie is unnecessary. Well, <laughs> I mean, movies are unnecessary. It's <laughs> a good point. In terms of real life accuracy, this whole thing is a fiction. But I like that. When they come in and they're taking care of the children, you see this character moment of him goofing off with them to take their minds off the fact that their sister is possessed as an in turning into an old man. So the next thing he's going to do is he's going to help the family by going down into the basement because it's flooded. Right. No one's fixed the leak from the exploding washing machine in the first scene of the film. Right. Like, no one ever went down there. Yeah. So it's flooded to the point where the whole basement is full of water? Yeah. It's like, how much, at what point does the haunting end and the bad parenting persist? Because she could have just hired someone. I've been a horrible mother. No, Mom, you're great. You've been a great mother. Well, you know she's been a horrible mother, right? You don't have to tell me, but what was I going to say? So we look, so we get to the action climax, right? The guy yeah. that drives them to the house and has the hardest time chopping down that door with the oh, axe. Phil, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it, it's very illogical because they roll up to the house. Shit is always, already going crazy. Yeah. So Ed breaks a window. A couch blocks the window. And his next thing is like, well, maybe if I go down to the flooded basement, I can chop a whole 
through the floor to get in? Just break another window. Yeah. How much furniture do you think they have in the house? Yeah. They can't block every window. Well, I mean, Smash they kept, the window next to it. They kept the furniture, Vin. There's a ton of furniture from dead <laughs> yeah. people in there. Yeah. You don't know what's going to hit him next. So, yeah, he then decides he's going to go in through the basement. He's able to get through. Yeah. And then she can't follow him for whatever reason. And the neighbor's got to chop the door down. Oh, but she gets through when, like, half of the panel is missing. Right, right, right. He right. chops that, but and then the other guy's too fat to go through. Yeah, he so can't he's get like, in. Oh, oh, shit. The, the neighbor just spends, like, 15 minutes. He's still chopping the wood. Yeah. The while, yeah. They're, while they're trying to fight right. a demon, he's still yeah. trying to take the door down. <laughs> really should have shown up in this axe. So he. I mean, we watch him. The there's a shot of him going home, getting the axe, come back, chopping at the door. Frank, let's chop him up. All right. Where you going? Where you going, you what? dizzy motherfucker? You? I thought come you said chop him up. Oh. But Charlie's not here. What Charlie's going to chop him in. I do love at the beginning that what you say when he gets hit with the couch. He does like the perfect like Bruce Campbell Evil Dead. Yeah. Like <laughs> just before he gets hit with it. They, they, they went full Evil Dead 2 tribute once he gets into the house. Because that's like he's getting sprayed by the hot, by the gas tank, the, yeah. the, the fucking radiator. The demons he's always get- know to go after Ed's eyes. Blind him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Originally, the demon was not a nun. In this movie, and especially in that climactic scene, it's a demon with, like, wings or something. Yeah. And Juan uh, decided it wasn't scary enough, and they did reshoots and made it a nun after the film had already been made. Uh, yeah. You know, it was... They did some additional photography. Uh, it's a shame, though, too, because, I mean, I think the Crooked Man is awesome. Yeah. The like, Crooked Man super is, is, scary. is a nightmare. Super scary. When yeah. he comes out of the... When, he, when he's standing across from Ed in the tent, and, like, you see his face... And then he chases him. But that's the thing is, it, the Crooked Man was scary when it was just a child's toy, too. Yeah. Well, like, how do you guys not look at this thing and go throw that away immediately? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, we'll ring Around the Rosie is from the plague. Things we, are yeah. different, England. We don't think things are scary here. <laughs> yeah. It's a Crooked Man. He's just a Crooked Man, it's isn't he? He's just a Crooked Man. Most men are crooked. This straight. This one's crooked. Oh, he's all right. He just needs a bit of porridge. <laughs> he's just popping to the chemist be right as rain in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny here. We think it's funny here. <laughs> I call my friends cunts over the top. It's fun to make fun of poor people uh, from the other country. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> and the way they talk. Uh, you do a British accent in that movie. Whenever anybody comes on the show who's from the United Kingdom, and, and it could be anybody, it could be Dame Judi Dench, it could be Hugh Laurie, I say, oh, governor, I want <laughs> And they get so mad at me, and I said, I learned that from Dick Van Dyke. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it was the worst Cockney accent ever done. The guy who taught me was an Irishman. Yeah, just this ending, for some reason, it was like, it, it was too, like, wholesome for me at the end. It was like, it was very wholesome. This, yeah. like, wholesome horror movie ending. Yeah. Like, nah, Take this no. cross, and then you give it to someone who needs a cross. Right. No, thanks. I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> I don't want this. We're very poor. I've got to bloody pawn this as soon as you leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're keeping the possessed chair, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the last film, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. 
early on in that first scene where the kid's going crazy and he's possessed, the father gets stabbed in the leg. Later on, when the kid is like getting all fucked up downstairs and going crazy, the father appears again and he's got a bandage around his leg. Like you stopped and bandaged yourself. What's even the priest gets like hit in the head with a plate at one point. <laughs> he goes down. And, then and he just goes like, where's your first aid kit? I'm like, dude, fuck that. That's not really. <laughs> like, wake his ass up and yeah. finish the exorcism. That's not relevant right now. <laughs> yeah. no. uh, what are we doing? The kid has folded himself in half backwards and you're asking, yeah. oh, where's the uh, first aid kit for this light scratch? Yeah, where can the- my daddy get a band-aid for his leg (laughs) yeah i like in this scene that it establishes a a bit of peril with ed warren you know he's been sort of the the strength of the duo and in this movie he's somewhat enfeebled yeah very early on good point and And so you're always kind of worried about him yeah every scene you're waiting for him to have a heart attack any minute I did like to, uh, uh, at the end of that scene, after he's had the heart attack, after this thing has grabbed him and like, oh, stop your heart, old man. Um, which, by the way, he's not that old. Why would he call him old man? Yeah, I, I know. guess because he was a child. Uh, right. yeah, but well. he's really a demon. I mean, he so. was born old if you look at the real pictures. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't quite buy how old he is in this movie because Patrick Wilson looks like he could be Superman. In another universe, he would have been Superman at some yeah. point. Yeah, and the real um, Ed Warren... Looks more like Tom Bosley from Happy Days. <laughs> oh my God, Tom Bosley, <laughs> it precisely, and he sounds like him too, Richie. But I love to like he's just had the heart attack, and they're like, they're like Ed, are you okay? And he's literally like, <laughs> like fucking dying, and they're just staring at him, and it's like a good forty-five seconds before she's like, somebody called nine one one. I'm like, oh, what the fuck are you waiting for on that one? Like. <laughs> he obviously had a heart attack. Every, we all knew it. Everyone else in the room knew it, and they're just staring at him like, exactly. should, we, should we wait another minute before we this do is, anything about this? This is a real lesson. See, when you need someone to call 911, you make eye contact with someone and say, call 911. When you say, someone call 911, everyone looks at each other, and before right. they know it, the other person's dead. These happy days are yours and mine. Um, I really love the bit of character development when, like, the brother and the boyfriend are in, he's got a, he's in bed and he's like, are you going to propose to my sister? And it's like, oh, mind your fucking business, kid. <laughs> yeah. Mind your Shut business. Shut your fucking You're putting mouth. You're me yeah. on the spot here. I don't want this right now. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth, okay? If you say that to her. You bring that shit up in front of her, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll fucking kill you. You'd keep your mouth shut if you knew it was good for you, buddy. We see the first totem um, in the flashback where the mm-hmm. little kid becomes possessed. He's on the waterbed. I thought, yeah, that scene was, uh, I thought, pretty creepy. Like, when you see, like, the face come up to the thing, you're like, okay, all right, you got me. That's that's good. They're like, like, that isn't water damage. No, it's... It's it's classic demon damage. The exact same thing. <laughs> That's not water damage. It's demon damage. Mm. Scott, when I wrote this, I thought of you because it's that's in your voice, <laughs> yeah. your way of your joke. Yeah, that was my joke. I know, man. That was hilarious. They go to uh, the old priest's place for the first time. Is it another creepy German? Yeah, that's, uh, that's Father Caster, and he's a trilogy superstar. His name is John Noble, and he plays Denethor in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ah, all right. He's yes, the okay. he's the guy that kills himself in the third movie. And I shall not forget it, nor fail to reward that which is given. Uh, she's going under the house or whatever to find the totem, I think. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Hey, be careful!" And she's like, "Just hold my purse." I didn't want you to get hurt. Fuck me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me for caring about your and, safety. And meanwhile, he's saying to himself, he's like, I have one heart attack and this is what I become. I hold her purse now. Right. I'm the fucking guy <laughs> right. that holds my wife's purse. Yeah. I love to, though, right after that, they go to see uh, the priest and he's bringing him down. He's like, come downstairs. I want to show you something. And like, she gets to the top stairs. She's like, 
I don't want to go down there. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to go down there? It's your fucking job. Like, yeah. Get down there. All these basements, okay, would be a lot safer if they had things that most basements have in them, like like a pool table. Right. Or a pinball machine. Or like sure. laundry. Replace all the strange... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or a Lord look good, Phil, or laundry. Ghosts don't want to go down there. It's yeah, not no, spooky yeah, enough. Ghosts not playing uh, air hockey with you? Yeah, playing a little knock hockey. Yeah. You guys remember knock hockey? I do. Phil uses the expression to mean something else. Ooh. <laughs> oh. The two of them go and they meet up with the cop who's yeah. going to hook them up and like they're going to share information. That cop, I don't know if you recognize him, but he looked familiar to me. His name is Keith Bolden, right? And he has been in the Cobra Kai series. He played um, the head of the like the All Valley Committee yeah. and is the announcer during the tournament. Ah, okay. Yeah, ah. so he's a little familiar <laughs> to me, yeah. Yeah, I like the, that scene with the cop. Like, he doesn't believe them. But, like, we had the scene earlier with the lawyer, and she's like, you need to prove it to me. And like, why don't you come by our house? Take a look at our doll. And then, like, the next scene, she's immediately like, I believe. I, I totally believe. Yeah, we don't see the scene where she's like, well, it's yeah. a doll. Right, yeah. Behind glass and a bunch of... Uh, Music boxes. Yeah. I Creepy, mean, guys. Thanks. Do you know how many the- dicks were lost by these music boxes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just waiting for him to see with the cop of him, like, I don't believe you. I don't believe in any of this shit. I was just waiting for it to, like, slowly raise Annabelle out of nowhere. <laughs> like, do you believe now? Like, oh, shit. Here are, three, here are three Polaroids of my house. Yeah. Oh, shit. That thing's definitely possessed. I don't here, need to see anymore. Here's another one. That's the two of us in bed. Oh, uh, forget, forget about that one. Don't look at that Polaroid. <laughs> no, no, no. In that one, I buttoned down two buttons on my collar. It gets really racy. (laughs) My ankles are showing. (laughs) Uh, So does the real-life guy, uh, Ed Warren, does he blame his heart disease on the devil? (laughs) I just kept thinking that. I was like, is that like a real thing? They're like, oh, no, he actually legitimately had a heart attack. And that just tells me, yeah, because the devil wanted to stop my heart. Doctor's like, your cholesterol is higher than anyone I've ever seen. (laughs) You smoke. You eat all fast food. (laughs) The devil did this to me. What are you talking about? (laughs) The devil made me overweight. (laughs) Did the devil give you that haircut, too? (laughs) Yeah. Got a devil's haircut. This movie taught me one thing, that in the early 80s, it was very easy to sneak into the coroner's office. Oh, yeah. Break a window, go straight in. No one's there. There's not yeah. a guard. I was waiting for there to be like a security guard. I'm like, oh, you guys are here to fuck the dead bodies, right? Yeah, right this way. Go on. Just, You're not get, the first people to do this. Just Like Sam Kinison, he, he does he, the point of view of the corpse on the on the uh, the tray. That's right. It's a famous bit of his. Yeah. That even when he's dead, he's still getting fucked. Also, yeah, the, the, the cadaver, the large guy, the large cadaver creature oh, yeah. that shows up. Who's just a fat up. guy who happens to be there. J- there. Yeah, he's yeah. not even... Yeah, they just she just uses the body, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. We're like, this is not a character we know, right? This is just some grotesque fat guy. Hey, I felt sorry for these corpses, man. I mean, you'd think death would be bad enough, wouldn't you? So later they go back to the priest, right? Once they figure out that he's involved. You know, when he finally explains, like, it's my daughter, I raised this girl. And like, you know, I accidentally gave her all the information she would possibly right. need to do this curse. And she's like, you knew this whole time? Right. We came to your help. We knew this whole time. Why didn't you tell me? Which is weird. Because the movie would have been very short. (laughs) (laughs) Even his real answer is ridiculous. He's like, it is my daughter. And two seconds later, the daughter just cuts his throat. No problem. Like, well, she doesn't feel the same way about (laughs) you. Exactly. About you protecting her. Right. And Lorraine even gives a look. She's like, because it was your daughter? I mean, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. And then he tops it even further. He's like, 
there are tunnels all underneath this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will you tell us? We've been here already. <laughs> you're, instead, Kinda you're, you're patting the conversation with references to chicken shit. You got the whole <laughs> evil layer right beneath us. You're offering us omelets. You're, you're putting <laughs> yeah. your hands in chicken shit. I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, Patrick Wilson shows up with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, like, he's like, I'm coming for my wife. It reminded me a little bit. It was very Jack Torrancey. Like, yeah. You know, very yeah. The shining. Yeah. The wild the swings. And he's just kind of shrieking. Right. Yeah, Kind of point. possessed. Like, Good. Like, Another yeah. good horror reference. Good. Here's Johnny. I love to fucking Artie survives. I was waiting for like, Arnie, thank God you're alive. Now you get to go to prison for the rest of your life. I thought of that too. Yeah. yeah like, what, what, like is, his, what he's he not. He's not out of the woods. It's right. not like the jury watched all this happen. Right. Right. So, but yeah, we get the surprise at the end where it's like, he only went to jail for five years for manslaughter. Yeah. They're still married today. Justice, I guess. I mean, he did kill someone. He did. Right. So you get this useless epilogue scene at the end of the movie. Yeah. Where, like, they show that fucking cop is putting flowers on a grave yeah, for I didn't that get girl. that at all. And they show, like, him being carted off to court and her running up and kid. Like, first yeah. of all, you, you, I don't care about the cop and I don't care about this fucking murderer-loving girl who's going to run up and kiss right. him. The story is over. I don't and, care and what happens They're basically like, and, and everything is okay. Life, life moved on. But why does he force that? I feel like every movie has this forced, like, yeah. everything's fine and the spirit is gone and isn't everything wonderful? Wonderful now, and like, but then you can't also do the thing where you're like, but something else I creepy just, you know, might happen. I think it just hints at the at the underlying simplicity of this genre of film. Yeah, I guess there's a release, there's a relief yeah. of it's over, and yeah. And yeah. the pattern of these movies, they always kind of show that, and then they show the end, they reaffirm the love and connection between the Warrens. Right. In this fucking, especially this the last Warrens. scene of Sorry. them like dancing and kissing each other and I'm just like, yes, okay, we fucking get it. They're in love. Stop shoving it down my fucking throat. I'm <laughs> sick of it. But our love shall conquer all. Like, fuck off. I, that's <laughs> not... He built her a gazebo. Yeah. He should have had another heart attack building that gazebo. Yeah. Not safe. <laughs> I'll smack your heart, old man. All right. Yeah. Oof, heavy duty stuff. All right, gentlemen, let's break these bad boys down. Uh, Phil, why don't you go first? I think I would go uh, two on three. Okay. I will call <laughs> it successful, but with great consternation. Okay. Scott? I don't necessarily think they're, I don't think they're terrible movies, but I, they're just, they, they don't do much for me. I don't, I, th I think it's a successful trilogy, though. I think, I think it successfully has set up this universe and they've spun off stuff and it's made a bunch of money. And I don't think the movies are brutal. The first one's a fucking snooze fest, I think. Like, I was watching the first one, I was completely fucking bored. Two gets a little bit better, a little more creepiness. And then, weirdly, the third one, although I think it's not that good, like, I think it's better just because it's something different. It's, okay. It's an investigation. They're out of, like, a house. They're not doing a haunted house thing. So they're searching around. So I'm going to say the order is three, two, one. And you're calling it successful, even though the first one was a snooze fest? Yeah, I'll call it successful. Right. I don't think the first one's bad. I think okay. it's just... A little bit boring. Okay. Like, it's it's not terrible, but it's just eh, slow. All right. And as always, my standards are just the most difficult with this. So I'm going to say it's unsuccessful mm. um, because I did think the first one was just boring and dull. Yeah. And if I think any one of the movies we watch for a trilogy is not good, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would never watch it again. It was no. utterly boring to me. And again, as I said before, it didn't advance the genre in any way. No. But I really, really enjoyed the second one. Yeah, and I, I like thought, the second one. And I thought the third one had some moments to it. I thought it got muddy and cloudy, but it had its moments. So for me, it's going to be unsuccessful two, three, 
one. Wow. Is this the first time that we all had different orders? I think so. It might it might be. I think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thanks so much as always to listening to the Trilogy Podcast. My name is Vin. I'm Scott. And joining us this time around is Phil. And this is what we do. We bring you trilogies, no matter what they are, whether it be the Care Bears or the Godfather or or the Conjuring. We're there for you. We're gonna eventually bring you every single one. Um, please follow us at the Trilogy Podcast on Instagram. I break my ass on this, folks. I put up at least one posting every day. I have a lot of uh, pride, and I think some of the best comedy on Instagram as I try and mimic exactly what we say during the podcast. And yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's at Trilogy Podcast. I do not work that hard. <laughs> work harder. Um, but we do, uh, we'll do fun polls. Uh, we'll play, uh, put up some clips from the episode and stuff on our Twitter. So we'd love to have your opinion on some of these silly polls that we do for our current trilogy. Oh my God, Phil. Yo, Scott's eyes are rolling back into oh, his head again. No, oh, no, no. Oh, oh uh, God, what he's, is he saying? He's twisting. He's hungry. Yeah, I heard a double cheeseburger in there somewhere. Let's go get dinner. All right. Uh, guys, I just wanted to show you real quick. I got you this dandy music box, and I just want to open it up, and I'm going to show you. Touching your breath.